Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today we've got Stephen Daron, who is the CEO and founder of Fueled. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me on. Our pleasure. How are we today? Uh, really good. Yeah, I mean, I'm super disappointed by the news about Sean Luck because he was one of my favourite comedians ever. But other than that, I mean, life is good. So, yeah. He's, I used to watch um, 8 out of 10 casted Countdown all the time and he was brilliant on there. Just a wonderful mind and a sad loss, but definitely yeah. a sad loss. Um, Stephen, should we jump straight in then? Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Sure. Um, so I'm the founder of Fueled. We're sort of a hybrid uh, cross-class of an insurance broker and an insurance technology company. Um, we're FCA regulated. Um, we've hired our 12th member of staff today, uh, going all guns blazing, trying to, to forge this new way of, of selling business insurance to really exciting companies. Um, been trading for about three years um, and yeah it's been it's been a fun ride amazing so this is uh, the insurer tech world and for those that sort of aren't familiar with it banking had its evolution with the the, the uh, fintech kind of world and that's grown and grown and insurer tech insurance is now signed to go through it with the likes of Stevens companies um, so how what is insurer tech and how is it changing the insurance industry Sure. So um, insurance technology is, is, I guess, in most basic form, it's technology for, for the insurance world um, because of the, the different facets of, of what insurance looks like. You've got the insurers that, that underwrite the business themselves. You've then got brokers that, that sell and transact. Um, and I suppose more recently with the likes of Direct Line and, um, and Simply Business, for example, you've got a lot of online providers that have this transactional um, way of quote and buy via the internet and I suppose that's how InsureTech started as, as the quote and buy elements but you've also got things like back office administration systems uh, you've got data management analytic systems um, and you know I suppose more recently like ourselves you've got the, the policy management side of things as well as the the quote and buy so these nice sort of cross classes of insurance married with um, uh, with technology uh, which is super cool. I'm sure I've bored um, our listeners enough with uh, some stories from, from my days in insurance. But as I've said a few times, it is absolutely ripe for innovation. It is still too old fashioned, too slow um, to move with the times. And I think the business that you're, you're doing and you're focusing on startups and sort of businesses uh, in new areas and new industries. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, our um, I suppose our proving point was really trying to focus on um, the businesses that the current insurance model neglected. Um, we looked at startups and high growth companies and we often found that they'd buy an insurance policy in January and it was completely irrelevant by February. Um, if, like I, I mentioned um, uh, in a couple of other things I've done, you look at the likes of Airbnb and Uber, you know, they're, they're growing significantly. They're adding offices and subsidiaries and employees all over the shop. And it's so difficult to keep on top of your business insurance when you're, you're ever changing. And the current sort of archaic insurance model means that it's uh, in, entirely reliant on the business owner to update the insurance providers about their changes. Whereas what we're doing with our technology is we're keeping track of our clients throughout the year using um, data sources that we have access to, um, to, to make sure that their insurance is always right. Um, huge admin saving, of course, but um, you know, I think in the startup scene, about 90 to 95% of all startups are underinsured in some form or another. So it's addressing an, a massive problem in, in, that, in that space as well. I can certainly relate to that. Um, doing a bit of consulting with sort of young companies and SMEs, the first thing I tend to look at is their insurance policies. And, you know, 90% of the time they're massively underinsured or they've got the wrong policies in place. So having something where, you know, the company doesn't really need to think about it. You just pull it from their data and advise based on that data is, is a massive leap forward for the industry, I think. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, it's certainly um, it's certainly proven really successful, and and we're at quite a nice um, turning point now where we've we've definitely proven the market, we've proven that the model's really strong, and um, it's just about getting our name out there now. Amazing. So, do you want to talk a bit about your personal journey as well? So, you know, how did you get into this whole world, and and how did it begin for you? Yeah, sure. So, um, I think you'll speak to most insurance professionals, and they'll openly admit that insurance wasn't the career that they had in mind when they left school. Um, so from my point of view, um, I went to Hartbury College, I got a national diploma in sports science. Um, and it was just for me going going down that route was just a way of, of getting further edu- education in something that I, I was passionate about in sport. Um, but you quickly realize when you get to the end of your education, most people do, I think, with university as well, that the what they've been studying for the last two, three, four years isn't really something that they want to do for the rest of their lives. Um, I've always felt that the education sector is, is somewhat broken in, in that respect because it seems like an incredible waste of money, albeit, you know, people do leave with an education, I suppose. Um, so after the Hartbury College um, sort of rigmarole, I, I went to the States traveling. I spent a year in America. Um, I did some weird and wacky things, uh, predominantly, predominantly working in the, in the Camp of America setups. Um, and when I got back, um, I landed in London, found a flat with a friend that I went traveling with. And the first job I landed was was in insurance. Um, and that was just a way of paying the bills, really. Um, it was uh, quite a mediocre role selling um, very low level insurance policies to, to caravan owners, um, really. Um, and, you know, I have a I've always had a natural passion for sales. I think sales is something I've always thought I was good at. And I used it as a as sort of um, a starting point to get into an industry where I could start selling and and broaden my skills from from a sales perspective. Um, and from then, uh, and through success of sales, really, it was just promotion after promotion, moved a few companies to, to explore different roles. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, insurance is just one of those things that unfortunately, you kind of get stuck in. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's an industry that, um, that has a great education. I think that's one thing that the insurance industry is, is really good for is these apprenticeship and education programs where if you end up at the right broker or the right insurer, they'll help you, th- they'll help you through the qualifications and really help you um, uh, sort of earn your, uh, earn your mark or make your mark as it were in the industry. Um, so I, I utilize that to some extent, but um, it got to a point where I was just way too focused on, on, on sales and, and trying to, to pick up new business and new clients. The education kind of went by the wayside. So I think um, if you looked at me uh, from uh, an insurance education standpoint, I've, I've got a couple of exams under my belt, but uh, I'm certainly probably one of the, on paper, probably one of the lesser qualified founders in the UK from an insurance standpoint. But I felt like I've learned a hell of a lot more uh, in the role and, and working alongside some amazing companies during, during that process um i'm talking a bit here but um but the no, it's okay I, I i have to say i agree with you about the uh, qualifications and in insurance um myself personally um well i was a broker in lloyd's um i never particularly did well in exams at school um and i never felt that having to do further education within insurance actually benefited me particularly just personally i think it's great that the industry does it but it's not something that you necessarily need to do insurance yeah i think that's right i think um it becomes um, very apparent early on in insurance where, whether A, you like it and B, you're good at it. Um, I, can't, um, I can't admit to actually liking insurance ever, if I'm completely honest. And I know that's a terrible thing to say considering I own an insurance business now. But um, I think that when you, and I think a lot of, of younger listeners will probably feel that this as well, but they look at insurance as something that isn't really exciting. It sounds pretty boring on the face of it. 
you see the traditional suits and ties and uh, um, and the, the the blue suits of Lloyd's, and, and you kind of think it's not it's not really all that glamorous either. Um, mm. So I think on on the face of it, you look at insurance as a career that nobody really particularly wants, which I think is why quite a lot of people just fall into the industry uh, as an available role at the right time. Um, but really, there, there's some fascinating things going on within the industry. Um, I mean, InsurTech is one of them, and I think that to to address one of your comments earlier. I really feel like there's there's a generational shift at the minute. It feels mm. like um, a lot of the the old sort of pen and paper style of, of of doing business is starting to move away from the industry or retiring, and we're finding that a lot of young, hungry, entrepreneurial people are starting to come into it. Um, you know, in sure tech over the last five years is is just had a phenomenal boom. I mean, we've got some great unicorns uh, in the UK like Zigo and bought by many now as well, and. Mm they're really shining a light on just how good insurance can be. And again, just to address what you said earlier, it is something that's so ripe for innovation. I think that uh, insurers still aren't really helping themselves on that. I think that they all claim to want to innovate, but none of them really have teams that are set up to facilitate innovation. Um, And we certainly find that uh, the bigger brokers are innovating a lot more because of significant pulling power, I suppose, that they've got at a higher level at, at, at the top table, as it were. Whereas brokers that are just starting out trying to create a new innovation, they don't have the power of book, as it were, um, to, to help them really build out from there. So um, it is it, it is good, but they, it still has its issues, I think. It's certainly an interesting, interesting industry, because if you look at any other industry, and certainly if you take the tech industry, for example, um, the big guys never seem to be able to innovate as quickly. But it doesn't really work that way in insurance just because, like you say, they have these huge, huge books of millions, sometimes billions of, of dollars of business that can force change in the industry. If they decide they need to do business a certain way, they can do it. They're just they are still behemoths and getting change through any size company is a difficult task, isn't it? Very much so. And I, uh, yeah, no, I think you're spot on. I think that. Um... You know, if we started out and already had the millions of of, uh, of business under our um under our belts, and and we could take that book and turn it into this sort of super powered tech play, it would have been a lot easier to get insurers' attention. Whereas we've we've kind of had to reverse engineer that slightly, and that we had to sell policies that fit our future model, and then try and get insurers to help us along that journey. So I think the build process for us has been an awful lot longer. Um, but I, I also think that that's instilled some really good qualities in the way we act and behave as a business as well. Um, we're not flippant with cash. Um, we hire the right people at the right time um, and just make sure that no, no penny is wasted, um, which I think is super important for, for, for startups as a rule of thumb as well. So can you tell us a little bit about the process from, you know, did you have this eureka moment where you were like, right, this is the way insurance needs to be? How did you actually come to say, right, you know, I need to do this. I'm going to set this business up. What was that kind of journey like? Yeah, so I think my my career really changed um, in 2013 um, when I landed uh, a, a fairly decent role at a, an independent um, insurance broker in, in Worcester. And at that time, I just had um, my first child. It was uh, sort of a, a massive turning point from in my life personally, and I, I felt this sort of like need and responsibility to just do better. Um, and I, I started that role with with a, a different fire in my belly than I think I'd started any other. And um, I really forged a path for myself just as a commercial insurance executive at the time where um, I was looking for really exciting um, businesses to, to do business with. Um, and I spent the majority of my working days speaking to these really cool companies that are doing really cool things. Um, founders that would just, you just have different conversations with entrepreneurs than you do with, um, I suppose, just, just general staff. Um, and 
I think during that process, you, you start your mind starts to wonder on on what innovations could be made within insurance. Um, and after that, it just became more of a, a frustration thing for me in that, you know, um, as a broker, I was dealing with very high volumes of stuff. I had quite a large book of business and um, a lot of my time was spent doing admin just on changes that were needed to be made by these companies. And, and, it, and it got to a stage where all these startups and high growth companies were doing amazing things. They were having to change their insurance all the time. Um, it just made complete sense to try and automate that process. Um, and quite frankly, the, the the broker I was with at the time, albeit a great company, that just innovation was incredibly lacking. Um, and, you know, by that point, I'd already made a name for myself. Um, insurance work was, was going well. I had a core book of clients and I just thought, well, you know, if I've done this for someone else, then there's no way, you know, there's a good chance I'll be able to do it for myself. And um, I think that for me personally, as soon as I had the support of my wife, that was pretty much it. Uh, I, ne- I never tell her that too often, um, <laughs> but, but from my point of view, I think it's super important that you've got the backing of someone that um, that has trust in you to deliver. Um, because as a, being quite entrepreneurial spirited anyway, I'd had a lot of ideas that, quite frankly, weren't 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 really going to cut the mustard. I think, but um, something that I knew I could change and, and and knew I could do a good job at. It just made complete sense. So, um, you know, I'd I was on a fairly decent salary, which I know. Is, I wouldn't say it's difficult to do in the insurance industry, but certainly the, the role that I had at the time um, was a good one. So I started putting money aside and, and slowly started building this thing in, in spare time um, and then uh, eventually applied for FCA uh, authorization, which, um, as, as you all know, it's, it's, no, it's, it's no easy thing to do, that's for sure. There's a lot of paperwork and, and a lot of things that need to be true for, for, for it to be accepted. And by the time I'd put in the application, you know, it was eight weeks before they accepted me, which I, I think to this day is probably still one of the quickest turnaround times on, on yeah, an FCA exactly. authorization. Yeah. Um, so that was another sort of feather in my cap. I was like, right, it must be all right if they've said, <laughs> you know, I've got, <laughs> I've got all the, the good things in place. And, um, and, yeah, took out um, took out a loan and um, and just got going. Really, um, the the first three to six months were really hard. Uh, it's a lonely uh, mm-hmm. a lonely old thing trying to set up a business by yourself, and um, you know working from a conservatory that was like felt like forty degrees in the summer and <laughs> minus ten in the winter. So um, it, yeah, I cut a lonely picture, but uh, just hard work, determination, making sure I was doing the right things, trust in the process, which is super important. I think a lot of people can get distracted by money, but I was so, um, I was so intent on, on bringing the right type of businesses in. And, you know, at the start, my core focus was just technology companies. I just wanted to make sure that everything tech, um, sat with me, um, and, and I could really utilize that in, in, in the future purposes of what we're looking to do. Um, and yeah, as, as time went on and I had a, some referrals from existing clients and stuff, we, 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 we got to a stage where I could bring in people. Um, the first, my first employee was my sister actually. So that was, um, Very cool. quite, quite a nice thing to do. I'm still super grateful for her helping me out in the early stages. And yeah, we just slowly grown from there. Always made sure we had money in the bank, always made sure we had money to pay someone for at least 12 months before we brought them on. It's just that sort of thing, you know, right processes and, and growing slowly. I absolutely love that. I think that is a really cool, proper entrepreneurial story. Um, and congrats on the, the eight-week turnaround for the FCA. That's mad. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, I remember um, being sat at my desk um, at this company that I was obviously quite senior in. Mm. And the email popped up in front of me. And I was like, holy, what am I going to do? <laughs> I, like, I am not ready for this whatsoever. I mean, I, I think the, when, when, you ever, when, you always, when you jump into something like that, you, you immediately just go to the, I'm not ready. I haven't, I haven't prepared yeah. anything. You, know, you panic. 
Um, but it was just, you know, it was the kickstart I needed. It was like, right, you got to go and do this now. This isn't just, this isn't just a business on a bit of paper. This is something you need to go and deliver on. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was a good feeling and a scary one at the same time. I think if we just take it back a bit to something you said that really sort of um, uh, hit with me would be the fact that you were having to do so much admin. Um, mm. Now that was always a bane of my life. Um, in a company I worked for, there was uh, a book we had, which we'd had 500 accounts under it. And the admin right. on it was just all day, every day. And it took away from my ability to go after what I really want to do. And that's new business. And that's, and I think that issue is common with a lot of young people within the insurance industry. Definitely people I know, they're just yeah. constant admin and frustration when all you want to do is innovate and get on and, and get new business and, and build new products. And you're being frustrated by this, this just old clunky machine that takes forever to do anything. Um, and it really sort of saps your motivation. Do you think InsuraTech is going to provide careers for those really entrepreneurial, just want to get on and they just want to innovate and create new business? Uh, I think it has to. Um, I, I, I don't think the, ins- I, I think if you look at blockchain, for example, right, which, 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 which we know about, um, the idea of blockchain is, is the, the whole dis- disintermediation piece. So you, you, you assume that it's just point A to point B now and that's it. So where does a role for a broker play in that? You know, effectively, what you could build as an insurer is a, is a system that just goes from the insurer to, to the client with no need for any advisory impact um, of what, what brokers should be doing at this moment in time. And that was always one of the things. I met with a, a guy from Alliance, actually, a, a blockchain expo, mm-hmm. and I introduced myself as Steve from, um, well, we were actually called European Technology Risk since then. We've been rebranded. But um, but at the time, I remember talking to him and just being, I asked a question, uh, quite a flippant one, uh, how do you think um blockchain is going to impact the insurance industry and he said oh you're a broker right and i was like yeah and he goes well there won't be any more of you and i was like, I was like jesus christ yes cheers uh, right? nice, <laughs> nice to meet you too um yeah. so that that's always stuck with me I, I obviously at the time i thought he was a bit of an a-hole but um but <laughs> after that i was like well i need to get building this tech that i've had in the back of my mind and mm. you know looking looking at um i've always had this ethos and, and i'll continue to have it that if someone's good at something that's all they should be doing you shouldn't be bogging them down with tasks that they're not being paid for. You know, if you've got a sales guy who's, who's superb, like, like who's, who's really at the top of his game, his, his, his conversion rate is phenomenal. He's getting in front of the right companies. Why is he doing five hours of admin a day after these sales? You know, I think that you know, we've, we've already shown a massive productivity increase in our execs from dropping in this technology. And we haven't even added all the features yet. I mean, our execs right now with this tech is a, are about 60% more productive um, we've got a guy in here, the old school way of calling him would be servicing, but he's our customer success manager. And he's looking at this bit of tech like it's about to put him out of a job. So, you know, we've got we've got these things that are, like are, are, are really beneficial. And, you know, most brokers would, would probably claim this as well, but the biggest overhead is your salaries. So mm-hmm. if, you've, if you've got a guy that's being super powered by this tech, it means that instead of having three execs, you've got one um who's really on his game we've got has got all the data in front of him in order to get these insurance policies out and, and tie them up at the end as well why wouldn't you take it the investment in technology is such a simple thing i just think that and i'm going to go back to the um to to, to the shift in the industry that we're seeing anyway with more entrepreneurial coming in and and probably the more experienced and, and aging going out um you, you look at that and you just think that that they're going to, the people are going to wake up. They're going to see that tech is the right thing for the industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we've touched on, uh, it's super, super, um, super ripe for innovation. So um, yeah, I'm with you. 
I think we were, or definitely when I was at a couple of big brokers, um, what they were trying to do was trying to force roles together. So, you know, the broker and the account exec, um, even to down to some sort of tech technician kind of roles were being forced into this, this one person's job. And all it meant was the person that is, like you say, particularly good at sales, good at broking, good at being out there, relationship driven. Um, they were just being forced into these sort of, you know, uh, square peg, you know, round hole kind of situations. And it just, I personally don't see how you're going to keep a younger generation coming into the business you know, happy and excited and, and ready to innovate because there are some people that aren't good at sales and, and they're really, you know, they're tech focused, they're number focused. So do that role. Mm. Don't try and force. I think a lot of industries probably have this issue as well, to be honest. Don't try and force people into a role that they're just never going to be interested in doing really. Yeah. And I think that you've probably seen it um, just as much as I, but you know, you, you're, you're sat in a room with, with a load of other sales guys and, and the constant frustration is admin, right? I mean, it's, it's just all, all the sales exec will whinge about, yeah, they might get the odd hit here and there from a no or something along those lines. But like, you know, I've been in the office until 10, 11 at night tying up admin so that I could just come in and do sales the next day. Yeah. I mean, it's not a healthy way of working for anyone. Um, and, you know, like I said, I think, I think we've got it super right. And, and, um, you know, our, our staff absolutely love the tech is, you know, they've all come from other industry, um, roles as well. So, you know, we've, we've got real validation on what we're doing. Um, so it's super exciting from a number of levels. Amazing. So we talked a bit about, you know, how InsureTech is going to change the industry and, and where we hope it to go, but what kind of roles are going to be available for people, you know, in five, 10 years time within the InsureTech world? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, um, we've put a lot of thought into, into our recruitment process and what that's going to look like um, over the next three or five years. And, you know, the first thing that we've, we've really tried to do, which I think will become more prominent, is we've just tried to create a culture business, um, a, a completely different type of culture that's, 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 that's current in, in the insurance industry. Um, you know, we are, we are dressed down. We are flexible working. Um, We'll work from home if you need to. As I said, we've already got the tech. We've got an eco scheme um, that, that promotes sustainability. Um, there's just a load of things that, that we're doing that, um, that I suppose we're more akin to what you would consider a technology company being than a broker. Um, so I, I, I honestly think that the insurance industry is going to go that, that way. We've already seen, um, seen Lloyd's reduce their, their dress code um, to some extent. I think ties were banned. Uh, oh, that, banned. that was a big fuss was kicked off well, when that happened. <laughs> wasn't it ever? And it's just so irrelevant. You know, I mean, you know, I think um, what, what really turned um, my mind towards dress down was, was probably about eight years ago now. Um, and I went out, um, I got, the, I landed this, this really good opportunity. And it was a company that was paying 50, 60 grand a year for their insurance, had 180 employees, um, were based in Manchester. And, you know, I got home after landing the lead and I said to my wife, right, I got to get a new suit. I got to make sure I really dress up and, and, you know, the, the stereotypical insurance broker type thing, I need to be super smart, um, clean the car, did all this stuff. Anyway, I turned up to their office. Um, I went up to the fourth floor. I met the guy um, who, who opened the door to me and I was like, Hey, it's really nice to meet you. And he goes, hi, I'm Paul. And it was the guy I was supposed to be meeting. And this guy was in, uh, I, I he was in super dry flip-flops and a pair of board <laughs> shorts. And I looked like a, a tosser. I mean, I, it was one of those where you're like, why on You know, I've gone through all that effort to see this tech company and they're, they're looking at me like I'm there to audit them. And it was at that point where I thought, you know, we should be dressing for the businesses that we're seeing. Mm. You know, the, I think that the, 
the age old stereotype of, of insurance brokers is that they're, you know, they're, they're there to find problems in your business. They're there to be scary. Um, and really we just want to talk business to business. You know, we just want to find out about the amazing things that they're doing, just making sure that, that we can help them on their journey rather than get in the way. Um, and you know, that, that whole dress down culture, it was the first, it wasn't the time I never had one. I just, I just made sure that people could turn up and be comfy, comfy in what they're wearing. But, um, so I've gone off on tangents slightly, but going back to what you mentioned about the roles, um, I think that the, you know, we're going to find a lot more, more data engineers in insurance data is just everywhere. We, we obviously use it in absolutely everything that we do. And we, we model how our business grows around it as well. Our entire rollout strategy is based on the density of startups in certain areas of the UK. Um, we've done a lot of work around that. A lot of our sales execs will be, will be recruited in those areas as well. So we're so aware of how data is going to look. We find that I think that underwriting is probably going to be more of a cross class of, of an insurance underwriter and a data manager or a data aggregator or, or analysis. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that tech is certainly going to change that. You know, one of the roles that we're, we're really keen to bring in, certainly before um, we bring in another round of funding, uh, is, is ahead of people. Because I think that if, if you need to carry a, cult, a certain culture forward, you, you, you'll just end up falling into the same old trap most insurance brokers do unless you bring in someone to really hold, hold you accountable to that culture. And I think that's not a lot of, not a lot of insurance companies have those right now. That is a super interesting point. We actually had um, a C-suite level um, recruitment company come on and talk to us about, you know, um, that kind of world, especially within banking and fintech. And she said um, that is the number one role that they are currently recruiting for within that fintech world. Yeah, at that C-suite level, because they see so much value in it. It really is valuable, and you know, I think you could. There's so much. There's so many things ahead of people can do from from training to HR to compliance. Um, but the most important for me is just making sure culture's right. That in in certain insurance companies and in certain insurance brokers, there's this culture, this really laddie culture that tends tends to follow follow them around, and it's I think it's predominantly driven by by salespeople that have then turned into CEOs and they've, they've sort of carried that sort of bravado of having to, to have a laugh and do certain things, but it, it really needs to be stamped out because we're finding that, you know, most people in the insurance industry are blokes. Um, the majority tend to be white um, and they tend to be fairly well-educated, particularly at top tier levels. And mm. it, for me, I, you know, our, our strategy about recruitment is bringing young, hungry, hungry. we've got um, an apprenticeship plan currently in the works. I mean, we, we want to bring people into the industry rather than trying to recruit from what's there already. Mm. I think that um, we certainly find, particularly at top tier exec levels, that these execs have been around the market. They've probably had a few jobs. They're, they're bit of a journeyman and they, they they tend to try and sell their book of business to the next person that, that wants to wants to have them and you know by the by the time they come and work for a company like ours they're already broken they're already stuck in this this model that they perceive to be the right way of selling insurance but you know for us we're, we're attacking it from a completely different uh, angle and i think that i think that's going to help us recruit a lot more people from outside the industry as well um which which is super super important for the industry to carry on Mm, 100% agree with that. Um, now, we usually talk about sort of personality traits that you would think would help you in this industry and this growing insurer tech world. But I guess as we've talked, you know, there's going to be room for people that are data minded, people that are sales minded, um, techie. Um, you know, could you elaborate a li- little bit more about the types of people that you think the uh, industry is going to have to have going forward? Yeah. Um, 
it's, it's a really good question because I, and it's not really something I put too much thought into because we've got quite a clear plan of, of who we want to bring in. And I think that, um, that for us, I think culturally and, and morally, I think they need to be great people. Um, so, you know, our first, our first interview process, we don't even talk about insurance. We just tend to talk about them and what they've been up to and what they enjoy and, 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 and what sort of things that they, they like to do what people they admire all questions that get them talking about themselves because at that point you know we'll know a few things we'll, we'll know if they're if they can hold a conversation we'll know if they're intelligent and we'll know if they're going to be a good culture fit for us um but i think that because of um how i'm hoping the industry will play out I, I'm, I'm hoping that a lot more um a lot more pressure is going to be put on companies to offer training and uh, and and growing people that they bring in I think that um, personality traits probably isn't going to be so much of, of, uh, of a conversation point moving forward. Um, I think that it helps in sales roles, no doubt, to be confident um, and, 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 and to believe in, in what they're doing. And, and, and every sentence, you know, it ha- has some weight to it. Um, and I certainly think for sales, I think that um, you can't teach a technical person to sell, but you can teach a salesperson to be technical. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, but that's how I've, how I found it typically. Um, so we certainly for sales roles, we just look for confident people that, that we, we believe are good at talking to people. They don't have to have any insurance knowledge at all because that bit we can cover off. Um, I think that, I think that particularly in, in insurance, um, and, and other trades as well, I think there are so many different roles. And if we, if we consider the roles that, um, that, that, that are going to be relevant, I suppose, moving forward. You know, there's, there's certain character traits that head of people need to have. I think they need to be um, compassionate, understanding. They need to be able to build rapport um, and, and all the good things that someone approachable should have. Um, I've mentioned sales. You then look at technical. I mean, they, they need to have fantastic technical knowledge and, and be intelligent and, and, and probably well-educated to some extent. Um, and I think that there's, you know, there's underwriters, for example, they, they just need to know the ins and outs of policy wordings, right. And how to apply that to businesses. So, yeah. um, many different, different roles and, and traits that attribute those. Um, but I think that the, um, I think the one trait that I'd love to see moving forward is just someone with a bit of passion about insurance. And it's, I'm still waiting to see it. I, I don't, you know, in the, <laughs> in the four, 14 years of being in insurance, I must've recruited probably in my time about 150 people. Mm-hmm. And I've never had someone come into an interview and be like, I cannot wait to work in insurance. This is what I've been dreaming. <laughs> this is my dream job. It's just one of those, you know, it's just never going to happen. But um, I think that, yeah, with the right, with the right program and, and education, I think that we might be able to get to that stage soon. I have to say, I think people like yourself that are creating these, you know, challenger brokers and we had this conversation. I love the fact that you said you don't want to force people into doing things that they're just not good at because it was a waste of time and a waste of energy. If you ran a business like that, I think you would genuinely get people that are actually very excited to come to work and and do insurance. I think so. And you know, um, on Monday, actually, we moved into this um, huge new office, um, which is about four or five times the size of the one that we were in before. Um, with a view to filling it with really cool people. But, you know, I, um, there's a bit of a running joke in the office at the minute that I'm just buying loads of crap to make the office look cool. <laughs> and, and it's just about providing an environment where, where people love to come to work. Um, mm. I think that um, so many people can get bogged down by the role at hand. Um, and I've certainly had roles like this as well, where I've just felt so much pressure um, from, from top tier management to perform at a level. Um, 
but I was in an office where we had wonky chairs and tables that were falling apart. And, and you sort of think to yourself at this stage, well, if I had a great environment and really amazing people to work with, I can kind of deal with that pressure. Um, you know, it's one of those sort of byproducts of having um, quite a senior role at a company, but it's so much of, of, of work for people should, should be enjoyment. It just has to be. Nobody should be in a job. And I'll say this to anyone listening as well. Nobody should be in a job that you hate because there's so many good jobs out there that you'll love. Um, don't put yourself through pressure and, um, you know, lack of sleep and anxiety and depression mm. about work. It's just not worth it. Find yourself something that you really enjoy. Um, it's, it's just such a key thing of what we're trying to build, just making people enjoy working in insurance. I couldn't agree more. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure hearing about uh, your career and, and what you're doing at Fueled. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and have a chat. No, man, I, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, as I said, I think prior to jumping on this call, I'll talk till the cows come home about business and insurance in general. So, uh, yeah, no, I've loved it. And where can people find you and your company and what you're up to? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn, obviously. So if anyone, I pretty much accept every connection request I can nowadays. Um, but otherwise, we're at um, fueledgroup.com. Um, and uh, yeah, we've, we've got a really cool, I think it's a really cool website, but I built it. So I'm going to say that. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, you can check all about us there. We've got some amazing news being announced recently um, and and in future. And um, there's a few positions open um, as well. So if anyone's looking for a job in the uh, in the Malvern, Gloucester, Worcester-ish area, then give us a shout. We'll, uh, we'll have a chat. Amazing. Thank you again, Tim. No worries, man. Thank you.